0: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery, a podcast all about a life following Watford Football Club and away way we followed them to St Andrews uh, on Tuesday night uh, to see what would happen in our fourth game in the Premier League. It was 1-1. Uh, and with me today to have a chat about that game, especially Mike.
1: I hate to point it out to you, John, you, get, you got a bit ahead of yourself there. It was the fourth game in the Championship, not in the Premier League. Did I say Premier League? <laughs> yeah luckily for us I
0: like the idea of that being like I'm so used to being in the top division and (laughs) I've sort of shunned my you know previous Watford um, sort of norm of being in the championship or the second tier football and joining us today Watford fan journalist mainly heard on the cycling podcast and of course author of many a Watford book Mr Lionel Burney. hello Lionel good
2: afternoon John good afternoon Mike
0: Uh, You were at the game, Lionel.
2: I was indeed, yeah. First trip to St Andrews since May 1999, Ah. when we, of course, lost the game 1-0, but won on penalties to reach Wembley and the playoff final, of course. And, uh, yeah, St Andrews looking a bit sorry for itself compared to that night, which was one of the most electrifying atmospheres I've ever experienced at a uh, Watford match last night was kind of a <laughs> a warning of what the championship can do to you if you uh, if you don't bounce back to the Premier League because as you probably saw uh, the lower tier on two sides of the ground uninhabited because the uh, the stands are not strictly speaking safe I don't think they've passed their safety certificate something to do with the steel showing signs of uh, wear and tear, and uh, yeah, it was a, it made for a slightly strange surreal atmosphere I felt
0: well i I felt like I went back in time a little bit because I was sat watching it on my computer on hive live, uh, and looking across on the camera view, you basically see all the seats covered up, which was exactly like what it was during those that season where we were basically on lockdown the entire time, so it was a little bit weird, but it, it was a draw. And I'm never quite sure what to do and how to assess a game that happens in mid-August. In the middle of a transfer window, it was 1-1, it was away, it was a championship mainstay, which we haven't sort of played yet this season, and it was absolutely pouring down with rain. I always wonder how I should look at these games. Should I look at it in terms of purely what I see? Should I look at it in terms of how and what's happened in the first four games? Lionel, when you were there, how did you look at that match? Were you looking at it because the f- first time you've sort of seen Watford play in the flesh this year?
2: Yeah, I've watched the first three games on TV and this was the first opportunity to see them live. I, I suppose it was a reminder of what a different sense of perspective you get when you're actually at a game. Um, we were actually right up in the back corner of the away end, so we were kind of looking down on on and across the corner flag, so... I had a a real kind of almost bird's eye view of the the passing around at the back. That was uh, that was delightful, almost therapeutic. The the passing at the uh, you know from from Siirta to Cathcart and back again, and then over to the other side and then back again. Also, a reminder that your own take on the game is is definitely influenced by the reaction of people around you. And um, when you're watching on TV at home on your own, you can just develop your own thoughts about what you're watching. And of course, you're only seeing what is on the screen. There was an awful lot of shouting of, you know, get it forward, get it forward. Uh, (laughs) Both in the first half and the second half, a sense of kind of urgency and slight frustration, especially, I think the feeling was that our players were better than their players. Uh, but didn't quite manage to get the ball into dangerous areas all that efficiently, all that effectively. And um, I suppose we were playing a sort of quasi Premier League type football against a sort of, you know, Blood and Thunder Championship team. And it was a little bit of a clash of. But I thought there were flashes there and there were signs of encouragement, but also uh, perhaps the warning sign of what the team might look like after the transfer window has slammed shut <laughs> at the end of the month.
1: Lionel, it felt watching on TV that for the first... Well, up until the Birmingham goal, which was really up against the run of play, Watford actually played pretty well. Like you say, they didn't create... Huge opportunities. There was the the Bayo header that, that that was off target, and then the the ball that was cleared off the line. It was the width of a Nat's Watson, it, wasn't it, from from going over? Watford really felt in the ascendancy. And it's quite rare for me to feel like that as as a Watford fan. I'm I'm not the most <laughs> confident, even when we are demonstrably playing well. Being in the ground, albeit at the other end, did it feel like we were as on top as that, or were they flattering to deceive a little bit in your view? Yeah, I mean they had the ball a lot. And, and I think when
2: you have the ball a lot, you expect a little bit more to be done with it. It was absolutely the championship in a nutshell, though, wasn't it? A great chance, a near miss, and then 90 seconds later, the ball's in our own net. And I wasn't entirely sure how we managed to find ourselves all at sea at the back and out of position slightly with, uh, with the ball coming to an unmarked... Birmingham player to sort of stroke it home. I mean, it was a nicely worked goal, wasn't it? But um, that was the moment when I thought, "Ah, oh, this this is the championship, isn't it? You can have a spell where it looks like we were just getting on top, just getting, you know, letting our better ball players um, try to hurt the opposition." and you then suddenly get sort of uh slapped around the face and uh i suppose in that sense it was sort of the opposite of the west brom game wasn't it because uh yeah you know they they really dominated and and uh of course we had the chance to win the game with the penalty and spurned it uh and probably came away from there thinking well uh, you know we got lucky with a point uh, on this occasion i felt you know a point with a fair result um But it was just typical that the the best spell in the match preceded uh, the Birmingham goal. But that, you know, that is a wake-up call for some of the players, for for whom the Championship is a new experience for some of them, remember.
1: Just another very quick one, Lionel, you being in the ground got the benefit of of you being there. How much of an impact was the the weather? Well,
2: being right in that top corner of uh, the stand where the roofs don't quite meet... Um, we were getting wet <laughs> so uh, it, it impacted on my impacted on my enjoyment of the game I was wearing glasses as well so I was sort of having to wipe my glasses periodically I don't think the players had that, that problem I mean it was wet certainly as the game wore on and uh, there was a bit of loose footing here and there mm. um, Ken Semmer slipped over a couple of times you know, one or two other players slipped a bit the Birmingham pitch looked perfectly decent I mean, it's not like championship pitches have have been left to kind of, you know, suffer the, the heat. Of the summer, in quite the same way as the sort of, uh, you know, the, the the common land and the, the non-league pitches, because I've watched a few non-league games which, are, I mean, they've basically been playing on straw. I mean, it was a grass pitch, but obviously the rain came down pretty quickly, so it did have a bit of an impact, but certainly it didn't look like from where I was there was surface water or it really was, was causing any particular havoc. There was a point where it was zipping around pretty nicely, and then perhaps a point where it just got a little bit too wet and was causing some of the players a little mm. bit of difficulty. Mm.
0: Mike, what about you? You know, you can't from it. You know, you said on our socials, uh, your reaction was, you know, the, the end of the Troy Deeney derby. How are you feeling sort of watching it? As, as an overall, you know, we've we heard from you after every game so far. Overall, how did you sort of look at that, that performance?
1: I thought it was a good summary of our season so far, really. It was all all four games condensed into one. Flashes of, of what we can do. Flashes of what's probably wrong and missing with the side. Uh, and flashes, as as Lionel alluded to, of what might happen when we're shorn of uh, someone like João Pedro or, or Ismail Assar. So I think what it does for me is probably poses more questions than answers. And I think I suspect as I'm not alone in that amongst Watford fans in sort of desperately waiting for September the 1st and those first sort of a decent run of games after the transfer window has has shut. So we can actually get some sort of feel for what it is we're going to be watching for the majority of this season, because at the the moment it feels like there's a lot of, well, literally unfinished, unfinished business. It doesn't feel like we're watching the Watford side that we're going to be watching for the rest of the season and and for me, it just all feels a little bit imbalanced, a little bit out of kilter. Kamara being miss, missing meant there was there was no left sided really defender. Midfield, it feels like we're we're lacking. I mean, Hamza Chowdhury already looks like he was an absolutely vital signing at the time. You know, because without him in the in the side, we really would be would be struggling. Tom Cleverley, of course, uh, missing. It just feels like there's a lot of missing pieces to the jigsaw whilst also being enough causes for optimism so it's 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 quite a peculiar feeling I'm not
0: my anytime you use the word optimism is an amazing moment so I'm, <laughs> I'm all up for this at the moment because I think what we talk about here we talk about how settled this team is how settled if at all is it settled? The only th- only piece of the jigsaw we we we, we want to sort of see in place, we know is sort of where to put it. It's is the goalkeeper, but that's that's pretty much it in terms of that attack. Lionel, we saw a lot of new, and it, and it does feel that the attack is the, the 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 part of this team that is in a complete flux because we know there are rumours of of two of them leaving. We know that there are a lot of new players there, but in terms of that attack, what were the good things you think? Oh, and let me not put words in your mouth. What did you take of that of that attack, especially with those new players of Bio Manai giving some minutes and very, very, very briefly uh, from from Davis uh, coming? What do you sort of take from that overall meld of, of attack?
2: I'm really loath to judge players based on you know a, a first or second appearance. I mean, I thought Bio had his couple of chances, didn't he? I mean, uh, he, he had the the chance. That didn't go in just before Birmingham scored. But again, I, I wonder how, how easy it is for players coming from a, a foreign league to, to adjust to the championship um, in the space of 90 minutes. I mean, there's only so much that they can um, learn from practice games or from training. I thought Aspria looked very encouraging, but incredibly slight. I mean, teams will have him for breakfast if uh, given any opportunity, but uh, that doesn't mean that he can't make it at this level. We've had, I mean, he's not an imposing physical presence, is he? But he's clearly a, a decent footballer. We started the season of just a, you know, a couple of weeks ago with this incredible front three, and all of a sudden, overnight, it does feel a little bit like um, both Pedro and Saar may follow Dennis out of the door. I mean, that would be a big dent. That was the part of the team that looked most dangerous at this level. I have to say, the pair of you talked about how kind of patchy the squad is. And I think the team itself is a bit patchy as well. And, uh, you know, there are sort of holes in it and gaps all over the place. And whilst um, I think Hamza Chowdhury is an, an, an excellent addition, needed addition to the middle of the pitch, the, the problem is that it does... not Lots of times you can take a sort of snapshot of where the players are on the pitch, and and the difficulty is the joining up of the the defence to the midfield and the midfield to the attack, and and I think that's going to give the the forward players difficulty. I I was a bit harsh on on our Albanian striker. It's Ray Manai, is it? That's Manai, the, that's yeah. The, that's the the pronunciation of his name. Yeah, I, I did kind of think mm, he looks Championship esque in every sort of facet but you know actually he he was a, a, a physical presence uh, last night but the difficulty is getting the ball into areas where forward players can uh, do damage and and unfortunately you know Ken Semmer we've seen enough of him now to know exactly what he's going to do Um, you know he's got to get it onto his left foot and and I think that it, you see from well Pedro you know the way he drops deep it is exciting But it's also kind of frustrating because (laughs) uh, he gives himself so much to do. He gives himself another 40 yards to cover before he can actually get in. And of course, the chance right near the end, which was, you know, an absolutely glorious chance. I mean, he hit it well enough, just too high. But it doesn't look like a team with a heck of a lot of goals in it. But I don't necessarily put that down to the forward players. I put that down to the fact that the team hasn't really joined together. It's kind of three separate units.
1: Uh, I completely agree. I think transitioning from... from Back to front is has proved really really difficult. the The issue was was evident even on the first day when we had Emmanuel, Dennis, Ismail Assar and João Pedro on the pitch. I said at the time it felt like we'd we'd got the three Christmas presents we really really wanted, uh, ripped open the wrapping paper, got them all out, and we didn't really know then what to do with it. Didn't know what to do with ourselves. We weren't able to to utilize those incredible assets. And uh, by definition, we know that's not down to talent. We know between those three, they've got exceptional attributes, and we just weren't able to to get them into the game, and as as Lionel rightly says, I think that's because of the way the the team has been set up and' its, and its current limitations we simply cannot exploit the the talent we we've got there and it you know midfield just feels loath to be too critical, but it, to be honest, it feels laughably light really doesn't it in terms of what we've got on on the bench what we've got available to us
0: isn't that purely just because losers you know what would be the full first choice midfield we, there are several players in, in that missing, and again, they haven't had many many games to sort of. Well, that actually, fair. They, they, you know, they haven't as a any sort of combination of three had any chance to really play any great number of minutes together.
1: No, they haven't. But but with loser out injured and and who had a long term injury as well. That's that's two injuries, which is unfortunate. But to find yourself the cupboard, well, we've got cleverly injured now, and the cupboard is almost completely bare, and we were struggling already. So it just feels patchy is an excellent description, I think, from Lionel. It sums it up perfectly because it it sort of it speaks to the fact that it can be fixed. It, something that's patchy can be mended and can be can be made whole again. We're not we're not miles off it, and there is talent in that squad and I think it's that talent that's that's getting us over the line uh, in, in games uh, combined in fairness with 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 some commitment and effort which sounds daft to even bring it up it's it should be the least you expect for but, but having seen some pretty lackluster performances over the last year or so it's it's nice to see um at least some some proper full-blooded endeavor in there but I think that the fact that they are quality players It's dragging us through week by week at the moment, but it... It, it doesn't feel like a team that is asking enough questions of, of the opposition. We we kind of comforted ourselves with the first three games: Sheffield United, Burnley, and West Bromwich Albion. Teams that we assumed were going to be up there. West Brom are, are, are struggling. Birmingham were de- demonstrably not a great side, even though they were led by uh, uh, the uh, fearless leader John Eustace and, and captain by Troy Deeney, two of my favourite Watford men. You know they're demonstrably a, an inferior side on on paper, but Watford were. Able to to put them away, so I guess what I'm asking is, what what's what really is the state of the squad? And I suppose I answered that question earlier. We don't we don't know, but there's there's enough there to be concerned about, and I'd be interesting to know Lionel's take on that as as a certainly more level-headed individual than than me. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> mm, I mean. <laughs> You know,
2: the the squad, uh, to sort of d- draw some kind of analogy, it, it's like an old house, you know, and and you're, you're going to strip off the wallpaper in the front room and, and it's just layer after layer of wallpaper and, and paint. You know, another another coat of paint's gone on to try and tart the place up and then another layer of wallpaper's gone on. And as you peel away at the, the layers of wallpaper, it kind of tells the story of... You know, coming up for 10 years, really, of, of um, you know, Watford's history. I mean, Craig Cathcart went up with the squad the first time round and, and has been up and down and, and, and was a stalwart in the squad that survived for so many years. It's kind of like just a sort of redecoration job, transfer window after transfer window. You can kind of see that the cheap paint... And then the sort of the the fancy wallpaper and then some more cheap paint over the top, and then some more wallpaper and that's the kind of squad we've got we've We've got a squad that sort of tells the story of of a decade of of trying to compete and stay in the Premier League and then trying to get back to it and then trying to stay in it again and uh, you know we're left with a squad that is unbalanced, it's patchy as I said. There are obvious problems with it, and whilst I try not to sort of criticize individual players, uh, my frustration I suppose is is that I have a sense of kind of over familiarity with some of the players and a lack of familiarity with some of the others I don't really know what you know bio or manai or or aspria you know I don't really know what sort of players they are what I should be expecting from them how they're fitting in so we we can't really judge but you know without being Detrimental to the individual players, I know every time Ken Semmer gets the ball what he is going to do. I know what Craig Cathcart is going to do. I know what he's good at. I know exactly where his limitations are. We've seen it year after year. And I suppose it's a kind of a sense that Um the the new broom hasn't ever really got into the corners and swept the place out. And and we're kind of we're given this impression that this is a new refresh and we're going to go again. And I suppose being fairly long in the tooth and having uh, seen Watford in the long years of when we, we dreamed of being in the top flight or the Premier Division, we're now in this kind of strange position where we may well have a very successful season, but to what end? And and that's kind of the bit that concerns me a bit. You know, last year was unremittingly miserable. You know, the the home run of results was just unwatchable, really. I mean, it was, it really tested the patience. Um, it stretched everyone to um, to breaking point. And so I suppose to, to be able to go to a game with a sense of optimism and and and, and a thought that we might win and uh, and play well uh, was a was a new and, and refreshing experience after a couple of years. As you say, Mike, we just don't know whether Birmingham are any good and and I think that's that's the key.' We'll, we'll see as the next few matches unfold just exactly where we stand.
0: I was looking at the, you know, I, I look at that, everything we've sort of said and everything we've sort of seen. I do feel a little bit, because of all the painting, decorating that's been going on, you know, the, the man who's, who's having to deal with uh, the, the current uh, covering of wall is, is Rob Edwards.
2: He's been given the paint and the wallpaper and the brushes and the you know the, the <laughs> wallpaper paste, hasn't he? But, he? but I don't think he's picking the colours or, you know, choosing no. the decor, <laughs> is he? And I think that's the problem. You know, we've had, we've had this kind of, you know, detached from from us as supporters we, we don't really know what it is they're looking for you know are they going are they going for pastels or floral or do they want bold print or what you know and and so we end up with this kind of you know uh, almost a a, a a mishmash with a feature wall and our feature wall was our kind of three strikers uh, and at, at the end uh, we may well be looking at sort of matt white um, by by the end of the transfer window. Who knows?
1: Is it? Is he a centre-back centre centre back from Rotherham, <laughs> is he,
0: Matt White? <laughs> I was thinking, though, when you said that, you're given all the, the bits to put on the wall and all the paint and make no choices. That's my life. That is. Uh, any DIY I do around the house, I just put the stuff on the walls.
1: Yeah, on, the, on the back of that, then, chaps, a question to both of you. I mean... I'd, in terms of players going Ismail Assar looks like he's he's on his way and I think personally for me it's probably you know I'd rather he stayed and played his heart out and did well for Watford the same for Joao Pedro it looks like Sar is going there is you know there's enough smoke around Joao Pedro to to know that that story hasn't been invented and Newcastle have obviously come in for him so if those if those guys go question to both of you it, is that a sign that the model works and it's actually what we signed up for, or is it a criminal lack of foresight and criminal? God, talk talk about overegging it. But is it <laughs> is it a is it a mistake? Is it a is it a white flag in terms of, um, of 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 aiming for for promotion, or is it somewhere in in the middle?
0: I get the feeling that there's. I always go back to that summer we got relegated, and the fact that they weren't able to do everything they wanted to do, mainly because of COVID and all the financial stuff that's going on there, and they are. They are, they are on catch-up at this point still, um, even though it's been so, so long. And that sort of continual rotation and players dropping out and players coming in, that that's the thing that's got completely out of sync. If those two boys left, the question I sort of... I think I said it in the group earlier on, Mike. I sort of think, is that them absolutely saying, no, this is going to be a complete rebuild? Now, what they're not going to be able to do is say we've got all this money, let's go and, you know... From my calculations so far, without selling those two, they've made over £40 million in this transfer window. If you add up all together, all the little bits and bobs, the two millions here, the two millions there, the bit for Dennis, the money we've made from Louis Suarez and uh, Estupinian going to Brighton, you know, there's, there's more money coming in. So I don't feel like we're going to be in a, a massive hole, even though we've been relegated and we, you know, the, the money coming from television has dropped. So it, it depends what they're going to do with that money. Now, they could easily but turn... We do,
1: up, I, do we know enough? Do we no. know enough, though, about, about the finances? Ultimately, as as three supporters who all want the same thing, which is to turn up, watch Watford do well, and, and have some vague hope of enjoying it, the ins and outs of the money, it, it, it's obviously important. It's the It makes the world go round. But we don't really know enough about the... The structure of, of the deals that have happened or are about to happen what's owing what's duo how they're structuring their debt how they're structuring money coming so ultimately the the only way we can judge it with any um authority is what we see on the pitch and so if you're a if you're a supporter and you're seeing dennis go pedro go and sargo i guess my question is are you entitled to be upset
0: Absolutely. But I think, I don't think we could know, we don't know the finances. We don't know what that means. And you're right. The money that I've, I've said we made over £40 million. Yeah, that money isn't now money. But it is a guaranteed, it is a sort of known income source that is coming in. It's it's how they react, I suppose, is the thing that's really going to tell me about this season and where, where it's going to go. Are they going to go and all of a sudden on the 1st of September, a bunch of new Loney from Udinese are going to turn up like they did 10 years ago? Are they going to go and spend a bit of money on lower league players to bring them up and to use Rob Edwards' experience and who he is to build this team? Or are they going to go and splash some cash? That's the most unlikely because they haven't splashed any cash because Bio, yeah, five million, but it it, it doesn't feel like a, a great, wise five million pounds spent. But again, we don't know too much about that. Lionel, what about their intentions for you, from your point of view in terms of what you think they should do next or what you believe they're going to do next?
2: I mean, I think the argument about the money and the dealings and the ins and the outs, I mean, it's so opaque. Uh, I can't really judge. I don't really even know what I'm looking at or looking for sometimes. I mean, the the Estupinan deal is a, a case in point. I mean, he was going to be fantastic for us and then he was farmed out on loan repeatedly and then he, um, you know, turned up for 20 minutes and now he's on his way to Brighton, which is one of the most progressive... Clubs in the Premier League with an excellent manager and a very clear strategy and a very good team, and so I I just think well you know what's gone wrong from our point of view there you know what why why have some of these deals, um, you know some of these players, uh, you know not made it through into our uh, first team and and we're kind of like I say we we're, we're we're sort of in this kind of mismatch of players you know we 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 signed Dan Gosling to do a job two years ago. Then kind of, he was shunted out to the fringes last year and now he's back to do the same sort of job, um, just a little bit older. It's not a solution to the obvious problem. The, the recruitment of somebody like uh, Chowdhury does give a, a, a sense of encouragement that they're looking at the problems in the squad and in the team and identifying shortcomings and recruiting well. But it's really hard to recruit well in six areas of the team, isn't it? I mean, really, if you went through that team and said, what do we need to get through, not just this season, but the first half of next season, you know, there needs to be a couple of centre-backs. There needs to be an overhaul in midfield. And if, I mean, we are jumping the gun here with, uh, you know, we're we're almost um, driving Saar and Pedro to the (laughs) railway station, aren't we here? But we don't know if they're going to go, but they are going to be sought after, if not in this window, then in the next one. And I suppose I've lost confidence, really, in the recruitment model because, the you know, I always go back to what Graham Taylor said about the, 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 the ratio between signings that work out, signings that do okay, and signings that flop. If you can roughly have a third, a third, and a third, you're doing okay. And the key is to make sure that the flops are not the expensive ones. And I, I don't think they've done terribly well at that over the last five years. And really, when we went up the last time, clearly the finances weren't in shape to be able to do what they did uh, the, the summer they first went up when they brought in uh, pretty much a whole team, didn't they? Capu, Barami, Britos, uh, and, you know, all of the other Prodal, all of the others that came in, you know, really kind of, uh, the, the team grew up overnight that summer, and we just haven't done that and I don't think we look terribly well equipped to do that we're kind of uh, you know hunting around for solutions here and there I've got no problem with recruiting from you know lower divisions or from you know European uh, outposts but when they're in the team you have to you have to be able to see the kind of the, the fruits of their workings out if you like and it's too early to say that on some of the players that we've got I mean, if you took Pedro and Saar out of the team, uh, you know, that is a lot of our attacking threat gone. Because it isn't just about what the goals that they contribute or the chances that they create. It's the the doubt and the difficulty that they pose for opposition players. And, you know, as we saw two years ago, it was a lot of um, goals were coming from the fact that Saar was double marked and it was opening up. Space for for other players to operate in, and so I would be I would be concerned if we lost even one of them, uh, but it wouldn't necessarily be the end of the world.
1: It's it's obviously an immediate issue. I guess I'm looking at the sort of the broader the broader context of of what Pozzo ownership has. It's done. If we look at the Premier League, and there's Decore there, there's Richarlison there, there's Stupinian there, there's Saar there, there's Dennis there, there's Pedro there, there's Capu uh, doing, you know, playing in high-end European competition. There's players that they've brought in uh, now performing at a, a demonstrably higher level, much, much higher level than Watford. Is that? I mean, it's obviously frustrating that those guys aren't playing for Watford, and, and some of them didn't didn't kick a ball in anger for the club. But, and, and this is by no means me being an apologist for the for the regime in any way, but does the fact that, that, that those players, there's such a sort of catalogue of players in the Premier League, so if, you know, especially if Pedro and Sargo, is that actually, whilst it doesn't help us on the pitch tomorrow, is it actually, in terms of the overall report card for, for Gino and, and Scott et al., is that actually a, a tick? Or is the fact that we're... Do you, I guess you have to balance it up to, with what we're seeing on the on the pitch as well. Mm, yeah, but yeah. if 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 players are so much better than than Watford in the long term, which arguably Ismail Sarr and Jao Pedro are, can you argue when they when they go that does that make sense? Does that question no, make I don't, sense?
2: Yeah, I, I get your point. I don't think that there's uh, any expectation that really talented players should. Some are going to be sort of handcuffed to Watford. I mean, even even Capu. I mean, he he earned his opportunity to go and play somewhere else, and and has done extremely well at Villarreal. I've got no problem with that. But I mean, once players don't play for us anymore, I'm kind of like, well, they they're not our players anymore. I'm I'm watching you know our team, um, and I suppose that the, the the sort of the um the mistakes that they made were that they didn't put enough around um, the talent to keep the team in the division twice you know i know the the lockdown season was extraordinary and they nearly got themselves out of it um you know once if not twice Uh, last season was was bleak really uh, apart from a couple of um high spots maybe three high high moments um but they haven't put enough around the, the talent and and so they haven't really done enough to kind of deserve to hang on to some of these players and and You know, I think you you you'd be struggling to argue that certainly Sar owes us another season in this division. I I don't think he does. Pedro's a slightly different case, uh, perhaps because he's a a bit younger. Um, But I suppose it's it's about what are they trying to build, really? And um, just looking at the sort of the very early signs of of some of the players that have come in in the last. Well, twelve months. I mean, for example, KMB. I mean, he he looks like he's going to be a mainstay of that midfield, and and he's you know he's, he's he's all right. He's got he's he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it is. I think they are on cat. As I said, they are on a, on a catch up to keep this model going, and it it just seems like this model they're not going to sort it out this year because what they are going to buy are very much rough diamond still um but they're also going f- f- to not, not fill that round with quality they're going to fill it around with ease. um mm. and they are ease with an option to buy and all that sort of good stuff but they are they are just that and it and that isn't a solid rebuild it's it's sort of it, it feels like treading water in, in, to some extent
2: i suppose the the comparison i make I go back to the very first season with the Potso's when you know the first six weeks two months maybe there was some sort of open-mouthed horror moments weren't there Um, where it did look like this sort of jumble sale of players was not going to um, you know a team was not going to suddenly emerge from this jumble sale of players but there was this sense that they were going to solve the problems as they came up. And if this batch didn't work, they'd get some more in. And, uh, and and that's what happened. And I just feel like they've got, if not one hand tied behind their backs, certainly they're not as free. Maybe because, you know, the the legacy of the money that's been spent, the legacy of of, of money that's continuing to be spent on... Um, on players and and obviously the, the the salaries are still on the books that perhaps in an ideal world they would uh, they would have managed to move on it's, it's they 've got a different set of cards in their hand and it it, it doesn't feel like they're they're you know uh, approaching it with the same sense of kind of excitement, vigor, and abandon. It feels a bit like the, the caution comes into the some of the recruitment a bit you know will this guy be okay you know it's, it's, will this one work out? The difficulty is they 've got to build a team for the immediate short term. And and try to avoid next season being like last season and coming back down again with you know sort of half a dozen wins.
0: So that's the thing: are they going to use any money that they have brought in this window um, and the next one? Maybe they're not. They're going to hold that back, trying to go to do a sort of yeah five-player buy as they did the first time we got promoted with the Potzos, to make that Premier League side better, rather than spending it now and just trying to. To, yeah, let's like say cover over the cracks a little bit, but make a team that Rob can sort of play with. What, what do you think he learned yesterday in his new role as a a championship manager for for Watford Football Club?
2: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm encouraged. Clearly, has a way that he wants to play. But then against Burnley, when his hand was forced a bit, he mixed it up and and did something different and and got three points. I think last night. You know, the the difficulty of of changing a game, yes, we got level, um, but I think what he might have noticed, certainly what I noticed was, as soon as Birmingham scored, it became really, really difficult to break them down. It wasn't a case of two banks of four, it was a case of two banks of five. I mean, Deaney, we know, not the quickest but he would come back and, and defend corners and set pieces and, and sometimes it would take him sort of two, three minutes to get back up the pitch. That's not like having a pop at Dini no. here, but but they were definitely, they, they they dug their trench in and they were trying to keep blue shirts well behind the ball and, and that also made it very difficult for uh, Alta and uh, Cathcart particularly to play the ball out with any sense of, of purpose because there was nobody really showing for it and there was nowhere for them to then go to. So I think, you know, what will he have learned? I I don't know. I, I suppose he's got a lot of options on the bench, but he hasn't really sort of dipped into that with, you know, real conviction yet. Uh, I, I suppose, you know, Davis has only been with the uh, squad for a day or so. Perhaps felt he did, couldn't really chuck him on. Um, and after all, um, Manai had an impact when he came on. The problem that, he, that I think Edwards has got is there aren't a huge number of options in defence and and midfield at the moment and so you know just keeping the 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 back half of the team solid as a a base to try and build something up front I'm not sure whether he he would have gleaned too much last night simply because uh, Birmingham did make themselves pretty tough to break down.
0: Well, yeah, like I say, it's, it's his first time he's he's faced what you call a yeah, like I say, a mainstay of of the championship, and uh, he's got a couple more of those uh, for his learning curve uh, to help him sort of settle down. But again, this win for I think more than anybody for a successful season to happen, we want we want it for comfort, but he needs it so he can get on with his job properly. The window to shut and him to be told, and here are the plays you have to deal with, um, and that will that will set settle things down. So, Lionel, I asked this to Geordie to jo- uh, and Mike and uh, our preview podcast of the season. And as it stands today, I asked him a couple of weeks ago, as it stands today, are you expecting, are you demanding or are you hoping for promotion at the moment?
2: Oof. I think I'm hoping for a team that kind of uh, gets us up on our feet again. And there were signs of that. There were glimpses of that last night. I mean, it was good to be at a game where we weren't, you know, out of it, and where you know morale was clearly not on the floor, uh, as i said the the back half of last season it, you know it's a sort of you know, I don't want to use be over dramatic, but it's kind of traumatic experience going and watching a team that you that you know is beaten I mean they were just beaten, and this team is not beaten they're they're finding out about themselves um the ones that went through last year's experience are probably. Just, you know, taking a deep breath and rehabilitating yeah. themselves and, and just remembering what it's like to be in matches and, and have a chance. And, and that's a very different thing, isn't it? Um, well, so, you see, Kamara, yeah.
0: Kamara got his first chance to, to have a celebration at home uh, only a few weeks ago. And I think we've beaten out or we've at least equaled our home wins uh, from last year already. So, yeah, th- those boys are going through a, a, a new experience in some ways and yeah, trying to sort of get themselves over the other side of a bad one.
2: I know the lockdown season, the promotion campaign, you know, it was not thriller minute stuff, was it, for a lot of the time. They were clearly efficient, effective. They had match winners. Uh, there were moments where they sort of, you know, opened up a bit and gave a few teams a bit of a hammering. Um... I would just like to see a team play with a heads up and a and a bit of a swagger and and, and a uh, you know try and take games to the opposition both home and away, uh, and I suppose the first the first few matches difficult to judge because I think the level of the opposition the first three games you know they're going to be teams that are going to be right up there so really those were really about the result and and just the, the pleasing aspect was just how solid we looked and the fact that we got points. Um, i suppose i would like to uh just yeah go back in time a bit to the the swashbuckling days of abdi and vidra and uh, <laughs> i'm not suggesting we we get them back but just to just to have players that that um that get us excited and and uh, make the whole i mean i don't want to go down the road of uh, some kind of trumpesque um <laughs> slogan but make Watford fun again and I can see glimpses of that I can yeah, definitely
0: see yeah. glimpses of that absolutely that's all we can hope I think we see, we are still hoping for for promotion thank you very much Mike
1: thank you John thank you Lionel good to catch up all things Watford and as per usual uh, there's never a dull moment is there plenty to discuss and yeah I just go back to what I said at the start of the show really that it's it's difficult to form too much of an opinion of exactly where we are. I think we need to wait out the next couple of weeks, uh, see what transpires for the rest of the window, see who leaves, see who arrives. And then even once the team is locked in, give them a chance to settle because it's only at that stage that that we'll really know what the Watford class of 2022, 2023 is going to be like. So as always, stick with it. The overarching theme, um, I wouldn't not so much today on uh, on Watford social media. It's uh, what day is it? It's Wednesday, and things have gone a little bit haywire uh, after the uh, the suggestions that Jean Pedro might be on the way out. But it feels like Watford fans. I'm certainly uh, count myself among them. Are enjoying it a little bit more, and uh, well, a lot more. And we need to focus on that. So let's keep going, enjoy it up the golden boys on we go
0: and thank you very much Lionel
1: thank you very much John and Mike thank you
0: Uh, and we'll be back after the weekend's game against Preston to see how Rob does and of course all those players whoever still might be here or not to see how they do away at Deepdale come on you
1: And joining us today, Watford fan,
0: journalist, mainly heard on the Cycling Podcast and, of course, author of many a Watford book, Mr. Lionel Burney. Hello, Lionel.